And we are back with another episode of From the Raptor. Sam and I are here recording on Thursday, December 30th. And we are joined by John Corrales of Boston Sports Journal, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for taking the time today, John, joining us talking about the uh, less than ideal Celtics. But uh, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Good. Hanging Good. in there, right? <laughs> I think it's really impressive that you do a daily podcast during these dark times. Like that you, you managed <laughs> yeah. to... You know, gather the the courage to to talk about the team at this this time. Yeah, it's um, there there are times when I sit there, I'm like, I don't know, what the hell am I talking about today? Um, and then a game like last night, it it becomes like when there's there's one real storyline, the only the only thing to talk about after last night's game, in the immediate aftermath was the shooting. And, you know, you stretch that out for 30 minutes. Luckily for me, I enjoy talking. And so I can (laughs) just keep on going. And and more than once, I've gone into a podcast thinking, all right, John, 20 minutes and you're out of here. And then 35 minutes later, it's like, oh, man, I got to wrap up. So I don't know. I just once I start going, I don't stop. A blessing and a curse, as they say. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, our first like topic that I have written down here, uh, the exact words are lost four answers. What is wrong? Is this a big enough sample size? Just the general questions you see Celtics yeah. fans everywhere asking right now. And so, I mean, that that's just going to be my question to you. Like, as if there's one simple answer, you know, asking one man to diagnose what's wrong with the Celtics yeah. right now. Just like, what, what's going on? We we the, the problem the problem is we don't know we don't know these guys we don't know who these guys are and they don't know who they are and I think this is, we've get, we've gotten to a point here where I I think it's starting to kind of collapse in on itself the weight of the kind of uncertainty of the season the the constant push and pull of like okay what is it today oh today uh, Jason Tatum has gone into protocols oh, what is it now oh Marcus Smart cut his hand somehow in a weird place. During a game, that keeps them out for a couple of days. Oh, you know, it's it's your starting lineup. It's your whatever. It's always It always seems to be a little something different. And then once they get something kind of set, they're like, okay, now you know how to help off ball. And you go, okay, now we're going to focus on something else. And then you forget how to help off ball. And it's like, it's like one of those plate spinning acts you know you, you ever see those guys that have like the like the the five or six is like dude, dude who does it at a halftime show you like spin plates on a little thing yeah. and you got to go to like there's one that's wobbling and this is what they're doing the whole time they're they've, they've got like six or seven plates that they're spinning and we go okay we got this one that one's set we'll go to this one because that's wobbling and you fix that when you're like wait we just fixed this one and you got to go back and forth and back and forth this is this really is no way to play NBA basketball. And I think looking at the frustration, especially on Jalen Brown's face after the game, I do think that this is really starting to take a toll because they, they're like, I don't know what to do now. I'm, I'm lost for answers. I don't know what to do. And that that's where things really start to look bad. And I think what the Celtics really need is players to come back and if I want to take a positive potential spin out of this, 
it's when everybody's whole and healthy, they're all going to get together and group hug and be like, okay, never leave again. Never leave again. Let's just let whatever differences we might've had before where they're over, we need each other. Let's play together. And maybe they can move forward. Maybe in January we can, we can <laughs> see the Celtics with some health and continuity and we can actually answer the question. Who are these guys? What's with these guys? Well, what, what's the deal with the Boston Celtics? Because there are two teams that haven't had a lineup play less than a hundred, uh, play more than a hundred minutes together. No lineups for the Celtics and the Lakers have not played more than a hundred minutes together. And we're, we're heading into January. We don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. And, and, and that's becoming a real, real problem. Yeah. That, that is like the one valid like excuse this team can use is, Hey, you know, we haven't been healthy all season. And it, it's, it's fair. But these last couple games specifically, I mean, even you can count Christmas, right? Because they're in that game and they obviously collapse at the end. But Monday, Minnesota is in worse shape than anybody and they lose <laughs> that. Then yesterday, the Clippers are without a bunch of their top guys as well and they managed to lose again. Obviously, shooting 442 is a little bit of an outlier, but they managed to shoot pretty low from three all the time. Sure. If they if they had shot something other than the worst shooting performance <laughs> ever, taking that many shots, then maybe they would have. I, I if they if they had shot fifteen percent, fifteen percent, just fifteen, they would have scored nineteen more points, eighteen more points, and then that's a nine point loss turned into a nine point win. Just, just shooting 15%. I'm not saying shoot 30, not even shoot 25. 15. <laughs> so the look, there, there's a lot that's going on. There's so much that's going on. And and I I in some ways hate talking about it because it it does sound to people who are who are listening, like, oh, this excuse and that excuse and that excuse, which I hate. I absolutely hate that attitude because then, then don't listen to it. Don't listen to us talk because we're talking about trying to figure out answers. Yeah. And if you don't, there's a segment of people who just want us to yell and scream and be mad at the Celtics. And I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sit there and be mad at the Celtics. There are things that they do that are upsetting. And after the Minnesota game or after the Milwaukee game, um, I kind of got into them a little bit. Or maybe it was whichever one. I lose track. Uh, Pick and choose. Just, yeah, it's any just of them are valid. <laughs> but you know, there there is a sense of when it's obvious that the hard work is the, the the stuff that goes well is when they when they work hard and they put in the effort and they are focused. That's when things go well. And the when things go poorly, they fall back into bad habits most of the time. And the bad habits is. That that shows up when you're just, you know, comfortable or don't know what else to do, right? There's two, you're either, you're at your worst. I know I am at my worst when I'm like totally comfortable and just chill and be like, ah, I got this. I have a drink. I'm going to have some pizza and cookie. Like, like, like I'm not focused on my diet and all that stuff, just in general. Or, or when I'm stressed, I have no clue what the hell's going on and the world is swirling around me. And everything's going to crap. And I'm like, you know what? 
I just want some pizza right now and comfort food and just let me just escape. And those those two things, the Celtics either get too comfortable or are looking for an escape, and that's when they go back into their isolation stuff and all of that stuff. So there is certainly a level of really bad habit that they need to break, that Ime needs to break. But it's it's just it's it's hard to discuss the Celtics and get into all of this stuff and then have people kind of yell at you and be like, well, we don't want to hear those excuses. Well, then you don't want to hear what's going on with the Celtics because there's a lot. And, and the lineup, the lineup lack of continuity is, is a huge thing. Ime Adoka being a, a rookie head coach and making mistakes, lineups and stuff like that, and not kind of trusting certain lineups. Uh, that's, that's part of it. Um, a, a team that was not built to exactly win this season anyway, this wasn't supposed to be a, a great team anyway. Um, that's part of the problem. Bad luck is part of the problem. Player effort is part of the problem. Um, there's a lot. And, and until we actually see these guys play together, until we actually see Marcus Smart be your starting point guard with Jalen and Jason on the wings and either Rob and Al together or a big and Grant Williams together, until we see that that team play for like a month, we don't know. We really don't know who they truly, truly, truly are. So the Celtics are the, out there crushing pizza in the fourth quarter <laughs> while they watch <laughs> Milwaukee get offensive rebound after offensive rebound. Basically standing I love the pizza analogy. Pizza and dropping bourbon and just like chips and like, you know, you got the Cheeto stains across the jersey, like <laughs> that stuff. That's why they don't wear the white jerseys anymore, because they, they don't want it to show up. <laughs> That's right. And so you got to work some orange into the old Celtics orange from the old logo. The We're old... finally getting to the bottom of this jersey issue that I've had for the last <laughs> right. two seasons. That's right. See? got to have me on. I love it. Yes. I love it. I I've been the biggest Grant Williams fan for a while, biggest Grant Williams defender. So to hear you say that he, not not even should, but like in consideration for the starting lineup, I love that. I, I even have it on my notes here. I think he should. Yeah, lo love Grant Williams. Absolutely love it. But you mentioned Jalen Brown and him sort of getting frustrated. Um, I, I wanted to talk about him as well. Obviously, he had 30 points the other night, but it, it came on rough shooting, no assists. And then you look at the Minnesota game. He had, I, I think, six turnovers, and it could have been more. It, he's been rough, I guess, in these two games without Tatum, which is understandable because you're without your, your best player. You're going to struggle. But um, the no comments after the game, ignoring Al Horford's comments, stuff like that. And you, you mentioned the frustration just – what do you make of it? Like, I, it, there's no need to overreact after two games, but like, it's if it's happening multiple times with the no comments and the the frustration getting built up, you, you got to talk about it. I think. Yeah, I think the no comment thing was weird to me. I wouldn't even pay a lip service, which is weird, right? Like, you can say the the right way to answer it, the PR way to answer it, is to be like. Yeah, Al's right. You know, that we, we all have to look at ourselves and, and it's something that we're in the process of doing. We're we're trying to learn and we're trying to get better. It may not seem it out there, but, you know, we are what you don't see behind closed doors is us. We're really trying. And yes. So that's that's the PR answer. Right. Um, there's even an answer where he's like. You know, you know what? It's it's not even about us looking in the mirror. It's about about us holding each other accountable and, you know. And us being together and, and plowing through it. So, yeah, maybe, but we need to even go a step further. Like, that's an answer. To be like, no comment, I, I just I didn't know what to make of it. Now, you add some context of how he was 
after the loss to the Clippers. And I think that he's worn down. And I, I do think that there's some elements of um, this is taking a toll on their mental health. And that's something that I'm huge on. Like, people hate this conversation. So many people hate this conversation. Because when I say, when I was talking about before about excuses, oh my God, they love to chuck this up as an excuse. If I said this on the radio, oh my God, I'd get screamed at. But the whole, the whole thing is, these are young men in their 20s um, with the, the weight of a city watching them, 20,000 people watching them a night, things not going well, things kind of snowballing. And some of them may take it a little harder than others. Some of them may not process things quite the same way. And we talk about, oh, you need to be tough and you need to be this, you need to be that. Be like, you know what? Screw you. You get out there and you do it. And you come out there after a game and have people like me second guess what you've got to say you know, what, what you did on the floor and have me be like, Hey, you know, you shot uh, this many three pointers. Why didn't you drive more? And he'd be like, Hey, you, I think he wants to say, Hey, you old fat jerk. You know, why don't you go out there and try it? I think that's what he wants to say, you know, but <laughs> he's got to sit there and be like, say the right thing. And if he doesn't say the exact right thing, I big fat jerk go onto my podcast and be like, he didn't say the right thing. I don't know what's going on with him. Right. <laughs> so like that all piles up and that gets back to him. Like, I understand all that stuff. And that's hard to deal with sometimes because you are getting paid a ton of money and people say, well, that should, that should fix things, but that actually can make things worse. Cause you're like, you feel like you got to live up to that contract. So you got that element. You have your own ego that says, Hey, I'm good enough to do this. And then all of a sudden you're not playing up to par and you're like, am I good enough to do this? Like that shakes your confidence a little bit. It happens to all of us. And then, you know, you go out there and you, you, you try and you fail and trying and failing in front of 20,000 people a night is kind of not great. So I think for Jalen, there is some element of, you know, uh, a mental health kind of like a, a, a struggle, uh, you know, no different than tweaking an ankle you know, jumping up for a three pointer and falling on somebody's foot and kind of like, Oh, it's, it's just a little tweak. It'll be fine. Like we need to account for this wearing on guys mentally. Like we need to account for that. And that's not an excuse. That's actually something that these guys, like they might need just like a break. Like, I don't, I don't know if they have the chance to like, seriously go bowling, do something, go, go ax throwing somewhere. There's a great place in fall river that I like go to ax throwing, get your frustrations out, do something to go have fun again, because they, they just do not seem to be having any fun. Why would they have fun during this? Yeah. Well, we're not having fun. No, we're not. <laughs> I mean, I'm having fun. This is a nice experience. What are you talking about? Well, us, we, we <laughs> are having fun. Yeah. Just no, not, not when we watch the game. It's not fun for anybody, but basketball is supposed to be fun. Yeah. And I think they, they need to get back to at their core having fun playing basketball and that that's going to be on Emay and Brad Stevens and the players and, you know, everybody involved, um, Allison Feaster, like all, they all need to kind of get together and be like, you know what, instead of practice today, 
we're going to go do, we're going to race go-karts. We're going to do some stupid benign activity that's like, let's do something to to blow off some steam here because that, that I think they might need that more than anything. Imagine like a picture gets out of them all at the go-kart track and the oh, angry God. people on Twitter go go berserk on them. I, I mean, I think you're you're kind of right about that. But like, I just am thinking about like, like you said, like the, the radio would like rip you for that or whatever. Oh, man, that would be like the oh greatest. God, me? If I said that on the radio, they'd be like, oh, the Celtics suck. And the Corrales is sitting there saying, go go-kart riding. Oh, that'll fix itself. <laughs> yeah. a bunch of assholes that don't know basketball and they don't care about human beings. Like, seriously, all they care about is taking something that you said and blowing it up so they can scream about it and get everybody to scream about it together and drive up the ratings. They don't actually want to sit there and be like, yeah, it's actually, you know, a good point to go blow off some steam. Like people go sit at work for a week, five days in a row at work. And by the time Friday comes around, they're like, oh my God, I need to get so drunk. I had such a bad week at work. That's four days at work. Friday morning, you're sitting there thinking about getting to that bar at night. What do you think these guys need to do? Like, come on, get over yourselves. I also want to piggyback on the Jalen Brown, like the mental health thing. I think he's really, these last couple of games, has had to really deal with the adjustment of not having Tatum and mm-hmm. what, what it takes for him to be the number one guy, which is something he rarely has to do because Tatum's such an iron man out there. He very rarely misses time. So him being out is definitely a tough adjustment for Jalen. I think his shot selection could have been better yesterday, but it's it's an adjustment. It's like, whatever. I, I still don't think they should have lost either of those games, but I can understand the numbers of 36 shots, only made however many, you know, no assists. You know, I saw that stack going around, no assists, and then it came out he had like eight potential assists, and like that's the most ever to not yeah. have one. Right. Yeah, That and that that's something that you can tell. You can tell who watches the game and you can tell who reads the box score. And that's, that's why we exist. That's why I have a podcast, you know, because there's, there's the people who will listen to the radio and I'm going in on the radio folks, because you know, that, that, that's the (laughs) dueling mentality, right? Like there's this, and this is a broad generalization, right? Because there are some good people on the radio, but there are the people who will sit there and just scream and yell. And all they want to do is scream and yell at athletes. And you look at a box score and they just see lines and a zero in the assist column. And they go, ah, what are you doing? Jalen, you, you ball hog. (laughs) Like, no, he, nobody was hitting shots. And there's a key element to an assist. Yeah. Need to make (laughs) the shots. It's like the, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched Seinfeld with the, episode where Kramer like there's a break-in in 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 Seinfeld's apartment when Kramer was kind of like watching the place and he's like this lock is the highest lock highest end lock has one (laughs) flaw you need to turn the key like you need to like there's you need to actually I can pass you the ball 50 times a game if you miss 50 shots I get zero assists whose fault is that mine no make a shot um, Jalen, Jalen, I think is in a tough spot. Um, they all are. And uh, he's trying to just like Jason in a lot of ways, do something that the coach is trying to ask him to do, which is facilitate a little bit more. And I think it's a little harder for Jalen than it is for Jason, because Jason just is a little bit more creative and it flows a little bit better. 
he's just I think he's better at making the reads a little bit quicker. It's not that Jalen is bad at it. I think just Jason is better. And I think this is this is why you kind of need both of them together because Jalen, I think the level of defensive reads that he needs to make when he's handling the ball is basically as you're driving, who's rotating you to make the one pass. Like he doesn't need to be Tatum level. I need to draw these guys and set up my, my player. He needs to be Jalen needs to be more catch attack. And when I attack, do I have the shot or do I have the pass? And I think that that's where they fit together. And, and, for Jalen to be the ball handler, more often than not, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I like Jalen off the ball a whole lot more. Tatum as a ball handler is better, but I don't even like that as much. Um, in certain situations and like end of game, sure, pick and roll and stuff like that. But I think Jalen is, is is struggling with his his role. And look, you take Jason Tatum off the floor, you become the focal point of the defense. And you're playing with, no offense, Sam Hauser, but, you know, you're playing with Sam Hauser and you're playing with Broderick Thomas and you're, you're not playing with Marcus Smart or Dennis Schroeder, you know, proven NBA guys. So that's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just wanted to make an amendment just to, because I love him. Grant Williams shot two for three, so I'm, I'm going to give him the credit last Yeah, Grant, sure. Grant is safe. Sure. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> sucks except Grant. Total joke. I'm just kidding, but I, I love him. And Sam so will be the first to back me up. I've uh, all through last year when Twitter decided that Grant Williams was the worst NBA player alive. I was I was trying so hard. To, to, hey, to me beat too. Thing, but. Look, look. I think I think Grant Williams is the exact example to use for this year's team because last year he was consider like he was not good last year. He was not. Yeah. But people were like ready to write him off. And now people are ready to write this team off. And it's like, well, no, let's let things normalize a little bit and then figure out what we should write off and what we shouldn't. Just like Grant last year, he was a small ball five. And then all of a sudden he was switching onto the perimeter and, you know, shockingly being built for a small ball five and switching onto the, onto the perimeter was not great for him. And so. <laughs> This year, with a full off season, this is one of the things I said a ton. Give him a full off season, and his let, first let, full off season, his first right. one ever. <laughs> like I, I can't tell you how many different times I said, I'm not going to judge a guy whose first two years in the league were decimated by COVID. His rookie season was paused in the middle, and then restarted in July, and then they they had the playoffs, and then they had a short turnaround. I'm like, I'm not going to have that be the judgment for, oh no, he sucks because like none of that was normal. Let's, let's get back to normal and then we'll see if he sucks. And you know what? Shockingly, he does not. So he's the great example. He's the, he's the guy that we should be holding up. And it's like, look at what happened when things got normal for Grant Williams. This can be what happens or potentially what happens for the Celtics when things normalize a little bit. and. Everybody can't get COVID every week. So Tatum's <laughs> going to come out of protocol. Schroeder's going to come out of protocols. Neesmith is going to come out of protocols. They're all going to come out of protocols at some point here. And we hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, that they're not going to uh, 
suffer something else and we can see some continuity for a while. Yeah, they'll have the natural booster after having COVID. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. You mentioned the fit of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Obviously, with all the struggles, the loss to Greg Monroe and the guy who didn't know his teammates in Minnesota and uh, the, the shorthanded Clippers, you see all this trade talk. People questioning, you know, is it time to consider trading Jalen Brown? Do they need to move Marcus Smart because he's the only tradable contract? You know, do you consolidate the young assets you have into a, a third star, better player, you know, better fits? What's your whole analysis on the trade talk? Because from the way you, you've posed your argument so far, I think you seem to be on the more of a wait and see side of things. But well, I mean, I'm sure as hell not trading Jalen or Jason. Like, yeah. like Great. that's. If you really look at the Celtics' problems this year, that's not it. In fact, when you've had them together, things have generally gone better. So I'm not I'm not gonna say trade either of those guys. Like the, I'm listening to other podcasts like around the league, and people are dying, dying to get their hands on Jalen Brown. Like we're sitting here going, ah, get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. Not we, but the collective we. Um and the the outside um, opinion is like, yes, Boston, please get rid of Jalen Brown because we'd all love a Jalen Brown on our team. Jalen Brown is exactly the type of player that I'd say 25 other teams would want. And the only ones that don't want them are because they've got just like slightly better players at that position. So most teams would line up to get a crack at a Jalen Brown. So that's not it. Now, beyond that, I'm open to kind of anything, and it depends on what the Celtics are going to do moving forward. So I've never been a trademark is smart guy. But if the Celtics' actual strategy under Ime Odoka moving forward is going to be to have Jalen and Jason handle the ball for majority of the fourth quarter, then I don't think that Marcus Smart is as good a fit as he used to be on this team because now you're having Marcus Smart stand in the corner. And, and my whole thing at the beginning of the season was Smart as the starting point guard is good. It's not great. He's not an all-star, but he's good. Good enough on offense because he can run the offense. He's a good passer. He's a really good passer. Has a kinship with Robert Williams. He throws the lobs better than anybody to Robert Williams. He can run an offense. If you're going to have Marcus Smart out there, I think in the fourth quarter, you should still be running offense through Smart at the top of the key and then find ways to get the ball to Jalen and Jason through various actions and whatever. That's not to say you have to do it all the time. You can have those guys handle the ball. I've, I've said that they should be running pick and roll with each other. They've done it a couple of times. It hasn't gone great. They should learn how to play pick and roll with each other. But I think, if you have smart as your starting point guard and play him as a point guard, then you're fine. Um, if you're not going to have him start as your point guard, or you're going to have him play 40% of the, the time as a point guard, then, then I start to say, okay, look, now you can say package smart with, I don't know, you can, you can throw a Romeo or a Neesmith and, uh, maybe, uh, Wancho as, uh, or, or somebody else is an expiring contract and, and try to get to a point where you're, you're, you've got like 25, $30 million in matching salary and just see, see which 
which big guy can get out there and what, what, what do you need to add to that to make, make that happen at that point? Then yeah, I'm open to that. Um, I'm not open to just trading Marcus smart just because like shake your fist, yell at cloud and say, Marcus smart's the problem because it's very obvious that Marcus smart being on or off the floor, the problems persist. Like starting Peyton Pritchard hasn't fixed anything. It's created a different set of problems. It's gotten worse. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I mean, I like Pritchard, but like he's situational and he's, he's probably a 15 to 20 minute a game guy right now, right now. I don't know what he's going to become, but right now that's what he is. He should play. He can shoot, but having him as your starting point guard and playing him, well, certainly playing 45 minutes was a mistake, but not, uh, not, was not great. Um, so basically another long winded answer. I I'm open to kind of anything that doesn't involve trading Tatum or Brown, but what it is like, I'm, it shouldn't be just Marcus smart, just, just to trade Marcus smart, just to, just to get him out. Not, yeah. you know, a, a shakeup thing. I'm not looking to trade Grant Williams just to trade Grant Williams. Like if, if it's Marcus smart and Grant for a significant upgrade, then sure. Then you can use your mid-level to try to get the, you know, replace those guys with replacement level players and you move forward. Um, but I'm, 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 so I'm not, I'm not looking for any kind of shakeup, just move a guy to move a guy. Um, I think, but like the other stuff, like Schroeder moving Schroeder for picks, I think is something that needs to happen because that'll free up Pritchard minutes, the appropriate amount of Pritchard minutes, um, packaging, like selling high on Josh Richardson. I think Richardson has proven himself to be a pretty good role player. I'd like to keep him, uh, on the bench, but I am not married to him being on the bench. If you, if his value is high enough now where you think, okay, he's playing great. He's back to his Miami days, sell high because he's worth his contract now and you get to keep smart, but you package Richardson and blah, 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 blah. Then I'm open to that too. So, um, anything that in, in that vein is, is good as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Richardson indifferent on Schroeder and I know Jack is out on Schroeder. So he was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, just my whole thing with Schroeder is when one of the Jays is out, he's fine, right? Because he can handle the ball. He can have it in his sure. hand. He gets to the paint. like, And he's obviously helped the team. I'm not saying he's like bad. I'm not saying he hasn't helped the team. But I've, I wrote a piece on it, I think, last week. When Jalen Brown is in the game, right? And obviously this was when Jason Tatum hadn't missed a game yet, so I didn't have to account for that. His shooting splits drop like 10% from the field and 3%. Like he's just not an effective off-ball player. And running three guys who need the ball in their hands to be at their best rather than putting Pritchard in there who before last night hits his threes, like that just seems more logical to me. So I think flipping him is, like you said, I, I think it's it's obvious. Like he's not going to come back. You literally can't sign him back. So you might as well get something. And all these people saying – Oh, get a valuable rotation player. No one's going to trade a valuable rotation player for right. a half a year of Kenneth Schroeder. And I, I saw the, like the Cavs argument, like flipping him for a second because Rubio just went down um, with an ACL injury. So maybe they need another point guard, but yeah. I I, I'm just out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the Cavs suddenly present themselves as a potential um, trade partner. Uh, looking at their situation there, you know, they're over the cap under the tax. Uh, I don't know that they want to go over the tax to bring on Schroeder. And I don't know. Yeah. They'll move to get a shooter, but you know, well, we, we can see, we can, we can, you know, if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm, I'm calling him up and being like, Hey, sorry about Ricky. So 
constant <laughs> intruder for me. Um, I totally would dream. Guy can dream. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm I'm out on Schroeder too. Uh, I I I viewed him as a, a tradable player the second that they got him because I understood the situation of he's he's only here to increase his value. This is a mutually beneficial kind of situation, and so if you need to trade him by the deadline, no harm, no foul. He's not sticking around here anyway. Like he's not he's not laying down roots. It's not like he bought a house or a mansion or anything like that. It's like I'm here. I'm doing my job, and that's it. I'm moving forward. Thank you for Boston. Thank you for everything, Boston. But whoever's going to pay me 10, 12, 15 million dollars next year, I'll take it. So every at the moment that they sign him, I'm like, great. They can flip him for two seconds later down the road. And that's going to be, and that's all I've ever thought it was going to be. And I think that's all it's going to be. Uh, unless maybe you package him as part of a bigger deal, but that would mostly be for salary matching anyway. I don't think that's a player. I don't think a team looks at, uh, getting Schroeder in, in that kind of deal and going like, oh, wow, we made out, you know, depending on what the deal is. But I think, I think Schroeder going out is, is an absolute, like if they don't trade Schroeder by the deadline, I'm going to be like, okay, Brad, what are you doing? Why, why did you have him here? Because then if you don't trade him, then the net effect is he has, uh, negated, Marcus Smart for way too long, and he's negated Jason Tatum for way too long, and and turned guys that should be slashers into spot up shooters because he's pounding the air out of the ball and going for his own shot too much. Like I I just the the, the worst thing that happened to Marcus Smart this season is Dennis Schroeder, and like okay you can deal with that for a few months because you want to take those those two second round picks and you can basically get free seconds that you can attach to. You move Schroeder, you get two seconds, you attach one of those to Wancho Hernan Gomez, and he's out, and you clear some space, and you use that other second to facilitate another trade, and you're you're kind of like making three deals happen because you signed Schroeder to that great deal. That, to me, makes sense. Fiscal sense, team-building sense. Keeping him after this, you're, five, you're le- three games below 500 now, even if they make a little bit of a run, it's, no, don't. If they keep him past the deadline, I'm going to have a problem. Evan Fournier was two seconds. I know it didn't work out, but I mean, like that's, that's a rare thing, but like, it's not, I I don't love the argument because I hear it all the time that seconds and first and picks are like valueless. Like there's no point, like just keep Schroeder Uh, partially because I think in my opinion, maybe it's harsh. Schroeder's a detriment to the team. Like you said, takes away from Pritchard. He he hurts the team with his dribble dribble. I mean, his time of possession is like two seconds higher than anybody else on the team. It's just, I'm, he he frustrates me and I want him gone. So I, I don't like the whole seconds are valueless argument, but um, yeah. The the next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Ime Udoka. You mentioned him earlier. Um, I've been a big defender of Ime this season. Lately, uh, you know, you can notice the, the lack of adaptation is how I phrase it, right? You see something isn't working and Sam, I'll, I'll let you speak to this too, because you, you, you mentioned it to me before we started. Just well, the like, threes. <laughs> this team has remarkable dedication to shooting threes. <laughs> like I, I wish I could dedicate myself to something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they. But look, this is. I'm not so. I'm not so down on the three point shooting. I have a different opinion on the three point shooting anyway because I think I actually think that your worst shooters should probably be taking threes rather than twos. Um, 
because the numbers are so out of whack. Like if somebody's shooting 40% from two, you think about, all right, well, if you take a hundred twos, you're shooting 40%, that's 40 shots. It's 80 points. If what do you need to shoot from three to score 80 points? You need to shoot like 20, what's that? 28, 27, like maybe 20, 20 yeah. right? So, so you say, well, he's a 20, you're like 27, 28% three point shooter. And I'm like, yeah, that that's good enough. If you, if he's going to score, if he's going to shoot like crap anyway, then why not get the extra point for the, for the few shots that he makes, he shouldn't be shooting at all, but if he's going to shoot and just shoot the three and maybe you'll get lucky on a few of them and you'll get the extra point out of it. Are we talking so, Lancho here? We talk- <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a lot of guys, in this. <laughs> but, but that's, and that's, that's kind of like a broad general kind of feeling just for me to say, like, I'm not so opposed to three point shooting. And like I, I, before we caught on, I was just kind of taking a glance at all of the shots from last night, all the three pointers from last night. And you know, most of them like, okay, that was okay. That was okay. That was a good one. That was a good one. Ooh, that one was forced. You know, that there were a couple there that early in the shot clock and you're like, okay, Let's, let's work it around just a little bit. Um, don't pull from 35 feet when, you know, it's, like, I get that Peyton Pritchard was working on, on those shots, but like, let's, let's understand the moment here and try to work it a little bit, but 42, 42, three pointers. I don't know. A handful were bad shots in an NBA game. You're going to, you can expect a handful of bad shots. Like that's just, everybody's done it. I've done it. And, and a lot of times when I've taken a bad shot, I, I'm running back down the court going like, ugh, I probably shouldn't have shot that. <laughs> and like, every, it's going to happen. So you got to bake that into some of the numbers. And like last night was exaggerated. But I, I agree in theory with the Celtics that like those, those are a lot of the shots that if you, like if they made four more passes and got those exact same shots, would we just be happier? Or would we say, you know, like, what what would we say in that point? And I think what their point was like, okay, yeah, we can work the ball around and you get a Josh Richardson three-pointer with nobody within 15 feet. Like, all right, so what, what's Josh supposed to do? Drive, kick again, work the ball around a couple of times. Josh is now open by 15 feet on the left side instead of the right side. Like, is that is is that better? So I I, I think that, there, there needs to be better ball movement. I think that they need to play a more cohesive offense. Um, I'm not going to hold last night against them. Two COVID ravaged teams playing guys that haven't played before. And you're like, Hey, look, our main guys who are good at three point shooting took a bunch of three pointers. Um, you hit nine and a half percent. Like that's, (laughs) I'm just, I just, at some point there is a level of make miss in there. You, Like I said before, all you have to do is make 15%. You win that game. And then we're sitting here doing this podcast and you're like, wow, they survived. They shot 15%, but they look, we're, we're talking about that defense was good enough where you shoot 15% from three and you held them to 91. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have a defense that can do that and bail you out of bad shooting nights. The entire tone of the discussion changes just by four more shots 
falling, you know? And, and so the whole point there is we can't get caught up in the ball going through influencing our opinion of the team. If the shots are good, the shots are good. And I agree to an extent that last night, most of the shots were good. They were fine. If, if we can look at the game and say, if everybody just hit one for something instead of O for something, then you've got six guys that hit a three pointer and that's 18 points. And now you're winning that game by almost double digits and everything else stays the, the exact same. So what's our opinion of the team then that's, that's where you get to the real analysis of, of how a game went. And so I think we can look at some of those where we, we can say they should have worked the ball around a little bit more. Sure. They could have done a lot better in transition. We, you want to talk about a real problem for the Celtics? Let's talk about them being an absolutely crappy fast break team. Let's talk about them giving up offensive rebounds in clutch situations. That is That's a my favorite boost. one. You know, Sam's favorite. Sam loves that one. The offense, I, I just think offense. Yeah. Sam rebounds. talks about rebounds. All oh, the time. It's, it's, I mean, that was critical. That three pointer that they hit off of two offensive rebounds it, it, to, to put the game away. That's, that's the backbreaker. It you had know, every, game last too. night's game had everything. It had the missed threes, <laughs> bad fast breaks. And of course the Everybody. crucial defensive possession that they did not close out with a rebound. Yeah. Like Wesley yeah. Matthews all over again. It's like <laughs> Celtics bingo. You won yesterday. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And like, look, you know, Jason Tatum's your best rebounder. You know, Jason Tatum clears away some of those rebounds. The yes. Celtics are, when you're switching team and your bigs are pulled out to the perimeter, you need wings who can rebound. And Jason Tatum is a wing who can rebound. And that's somebody, somebody that we talk about all of the offense that they missed from Jason Tatum. They really missed down the stretch, his rebounding, clearing away rebounds um, because of the defense that they play. So yeah, that that's a huge thing. Like we, you take all of the things that the Celtics could have controlled and I put three pointers at like fourth or fifth on that list because normally under, even under this season's normal circumstances, this season's team, as badly as they've been shooting still should have shot better than nine and a half percent. I just think it's, it's painfully ironic that that's still not the worst three point percentage they've had all season. That uh, <laughs> was seven point. 7.7%. You were I what? I was at both games. So maybe it's my fault. <laughs> they see it you cursed. and they're like, ah, oh, yeah. off the side of the rim. They're so <laughs> distracted by my glorious beard now. Yes. They're like, God, what is that guy? A prospector? Oh, wait, I got to shoot this. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, the last thing I wanted to bring up and Sam, I don't know if there's anything else uh, after this, but you go ahead. We, we talk about trades. Are there any guys you look at around the league that are either, you know, available, you know, could become available? I wrote about some like, quote unquote, third stars you could target. I don't even know, like personally, if I think that's the best route to go, because realistically, you have two all star wings, which is like exactly what you want in the NBA. Young, you know, can do it all defend. Um, You just got to put the right pieces around it. And in theory, like this team has good pieces, but something's not working. Are there any pieces around the league you see and look, okay, they'd be good in the Celtics uniform. They could help the Jays. Um, I mean, nobody huge. Like I, I don't see, first of all, I don't see a third star out there. Like you, who, who out there is like teetering on the edge of shaking loose 
from their team, right? Sabonis. Like, uh, yeah, Sabonis. Beal might be the that. only one that's a free agent. Like, Cause he can shoot, you know, he's all yeah, right. He does that. the same thing as the Jays. He does that's, the same uh, thing. Right. And so you're committing to, if you're it, like, and look, Bradley Beal on the Celtics. Sure. Uh, that would, you would, you would commit to basically no point guard and Beal would eff- effectively become your point guard Beal and Tatum. And, and like you, you'd want, I guess you'd want Beal and Tatum and, and almost like a point forward type of player. So you you might want to keep Al Horford around. Just get Ben Simmons too. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, that that could work. Sabonis is certainly an interesting guy. Um, that would probably mean that you're giving up on one of Horford or Robert Williams. Which you know, Horford, is, as great as he was to begin the season, he certainly kind of regressed a little bit to the mean and and become more of the player we thought he might be. So. Yeah, you can look at the Indiana Pacers and go, well, we'll we'll talk to you a little bit about that. Or you can talk in the offseason about Malcolm Brogdon and go point guard there. Brogdon rules. That's uh, my, one of my favorite guys. So, you know, you, you see if, if you if you go with Brogdon, then at that point you're getting rid of Smart. Um, so there's that. I, I think with the Celtics in season, I think there are a few trades to be made. Like I said before, the Schroeder trade for picks is one. Um, you, you kind of scan the league to see if there's somebody in that 20, $25 million range that is movable for one of these teams. Um, and you say, okay, maybe, maybe smart, maybe Richardson involved in that you move Wancho to clear a spot and clear some salary for sure. And then I think what, what the Celtics, I think what they should do is clear away the salary to a point where you can use the. Um, the Evan Fournier traded player exception, 17 plus million dollars or the Kemba trade exception, which is in the $9 million range. And you talk to Daryl Morey and say, look, I know that you're not going to trade. Like it's not, they're not going to trade Ben Simmons to the Celtics, but we've got a TPE. We've got two TPEs here, 9 million, 17 million. We know you're not trading anybody for Simmons straight up. This is going to be a multi-team deal. We're open for business. So if, if the team that you're talking to needs to clear some salary, talk to us, we'll take in salary to help you facilitate your Ben Simmons trade. And yeah, it's two teams in the same division, but if it accomplishes a goal that Philly wants and the Celtics operating on the periphery can take in a eight, nine, 10, $15 million player that the other team is saying, Oh, it sucks to give this guy up, but we got to do it to get the guy we really want. Now the so that's how you that's how you operate with the TPE. And when the other teams are desperate to make a move, Celtics as the third or fourth team involved in a trade can bring in now useful role player or useful player who becomes tradable that you can flip. And you think back to the 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 trade that Danny Ainge made for Isaiah Thomas using. Marcus, uh, Marcus Thornton and, uh, a pick that he got to help facilitate the LeBron deal back to Cleveland. He, he got Tyler Zeller in the pick and Thornton in a three team deal between Cleveland and Brooklyn. He got those assets. He kept Tyler Zeller. He flipped Thornton in the first for Isaiah Thomas. And now you have Isaiah Thomas. Like that's the type of thing 
that I think the Celtics should be looking to, to do. Scan the league. Who out there, who are the big names that might be moving? And then talk to those teams and say, hey, if you need a third team or a fourth team, call us. We are open for business. We've had, we have two TPEs. We got some ancillary players here that maybe we can throw in there if we need to, but we can take things if you need us to take things. And so that, that to me is, I'm not fixing anything this year. I'm not fixing this year's team. What I'm doing is taking advantage of this team situation to bring in a useful player for next year's team or a trade piece to help in the off season. That's what I'm doing to try and build for what this, this season was always meant to be building for the future for the Jays and operating without those two in the trade talks. How do you, how do you move salary out? How do you bring useful players in? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jack, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It feels almost like a tryout for next year's team for some of these guys, <laughs> yeah. you know, to see who fits well. Like Richardson is someone that I personally have like had grow on me that I think would be a good fit. His defense, his ability to ball handle a little bit, things like that. Schroeder was high up at first. Not that I thought they could keep him, but at first he was balling out for a little while and now he's slowed down and obviously has hurt other guys on the team. Yes. Jack, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Don't they have a, a Tristan Thompson TPE too? Yeah. Um, or is that not eligible to be used anymore? Oh, you know, I lost track of that one. Um, I'm not I sure think, on the dates. I think they still do. But see, now, I, I look at the TPEs. What did they do to create that? Thompson one, excuse me, is um, is one I think they still have. Uh, I'm going to figure this out as yeah. we talk. Um, got Chris Dunn, right? And then they shipped Chris Dunn and Edwards to Minnesota for Wancho. Memphis. Memphis, Memphis, yes. Okay, so they have a Jeff Teague one, which is nothing. Kemba, which is 6.8 million. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tristan, yes. Tristan's the 9.7 one. So that's the So Tristan's the 9.7 one that expires in July. Those are big chunks. That's big salary. It's big chunks of money. So I think like they moved Kemba just to move Kemba, right? So there's a $6.8 million trade exception there that they might or might not use that probably will expire. Cause they didn't do, they didn't do that deal to create the trade exception. That just happened to be a byproduct. So mostly for people listening, like most trade exceptions expire, like most of them are not used. So the Kemba one, as big as it is, it could be useful, but they didn't do it to create that one. They just happen to have it, which is, which is fine. They have the 9.71 for, for Tristan Thompson. They didn't do that one to create a TPE. They just needed to move Tristan Thompson. So that one might expire, but it's still very useful. 9.7 is a big one. The $17 million one for Evan Fournier, that one, they specifically went to New York and said, wait a minute. We don't want to lose them for nothing. Let's work this out. They gave up assets to create this. That one, I think they have to use. Because you don't give up assets to create a traded player exception and then not use it. Well, then just let them walk. Keep your picks and then figure out another way to use them. So that one I think they're going to use. And I think that that's why I'm, I feel like they're going to actively shop 
to be a third team or a multi, in a multiple multiple team deal. The other ones, they I don't think they, they just don't have a lot of space to to use those, but uh, they they could they could. And so Kemba's expires in May, so they'll have to use that this season. And the Tristan and Evan Fournier one could extend into the summer. So they might they might save the Fournier one for a summer deal and then see what they can do with the Tristan one, 9.7, and the Kemba one, 6.8, basically. Yeah. I mean, when I hear that, I hear, okay, send Simmons to to Portland, take back like a Robert Covington for a season, something along those lines. Maybe that's not the perfect example, but you you get back a player to help. Um, You're thinking along the same lines. You're thinking about the think about it the right way like that's that's the type of thing i mean might not be covington exactly but yeah, yeah. maybe maybe you're hoping for somebody a little bit younger um or you're pushing for that or somebody that you can turn around and would have maybe m- more trade value in a flip but but yeah that's that's about right i mean my, my ideal fit is buddy healed but he's not yeah he <laughs> not fit in that tp and I, I said this before the celtic shot one percent from three point range i promise <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't know, man. People keep suggesting Sacramento deals, and I'm like, why do you want to become the Kings? Like, <laughs> people are like, yeah, trade Jalen and bring back De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. I'm like, that exact same three-person combination just literally did not work in Sacramento. Why do you want to pull 40% of the Kings' failure into Boston? How does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, but I get, I get, I get healed. Like when, <laughs> when, you, when you shoot nine and a half percent, you look at Buddy Healed and you're like, oh please. Yeah. But <laughs> I will, I will caution people that that healed this season has been kind of not great, yeah. you know. And and like we have the idea of Buddy Healed that came into Boston and and just destroyed them, but uh, yeah. this season's this season's Buddy Healed has been kind of like an indiscriminate just jacking up of three pointers which but hey i guess it would fill it fit in in boston so yeah bring them in. join the team yeah yeah sign them up I he mean, already knows the, the playbook way, <laughs> easy me to hit down the shot last night you might as well sign him up dude bring him to boston if he's making shots like that but uh no yeah um sam is there anything like you wanted to bring up that was all i had on my agenda no but, nothing really more than that i was gonna piggyback on that before you said it saying like you know the fix to the shooting could be bringing in shooters, but we kind of covered that. So yeah. I, think I think we are all set. There you go. But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, yes. John. Um, you want to tell everybody, you know, where you're at right now, simply so I don't butcher it myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Twitter handle is at John underscore Corrales. Now uh, locked on Celtics podcast, locked on NBA podcast, uh, Boston sports journal. What else do I do? You got the My book. <laughs> My book, Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, available on johncorrales.com. If you want a signed copy, autographed, personalized message, 30 bucks. Not bad. Drink <laughs> it for the Celtics fan in your life. <laughs> That's it for now. I'll add this. Yeah, right. perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to see us and John and his amazing beard, check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, <laughs> Spotify does it. You can watch it now, right? Spotify does. Yeah, we've been, we've been mixing it up with that. I'm trying to get that down pat, but uh, we'll see if I... Get on you can see Jack episode. take sips of his uh, vitamin, vitamin C, C and be disgusted every time he takes a sip. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Not a fan. But I, uh, I drank mine. 
I don't know what the problem is. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You guys can follow me at Jackson Mode NBA. You can follow us at Bannertown USA. And Sam, go ahead and wrap us up. Yeah, make sure you follow John. He's always great to us. Comes on the show, chats with us, chats with us for however long we hold him hostage for. No complaints ever. So again, thanks, John. Uh, check out the book. Check out Locked On Celtics. It's a great listen daily. He manages to pump them out. Very <laughs> courageous. Um, Make sure you follow Bannertown and Jack, and you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's our show for today. Bye. Check, check.